We're back in Mass class with Father Tom Margavichus, the Director of the Office of Worship for the Archdiocese. Now, if you've missed any of Father Tom's teaching, go to your favorite podcasting platform and search for Practicing Catholic Show, and then look for the playlist, Mass Class. Well, this month, Father, before we get going into the topic of the month, we've had a couple questions come in about the communion rite, which we covered last time. First, we had this voicemail from Tom. Hi, my name is Tom. I'm a parishioner at the Mother of the Church in Burnsville. And my question is, I was at a visiting church recently, and I saw an article in a bulletin that stated something to the effect that people don't need to kneel after they receive the Eucharist, and that it's okay to sit and just pray a prayer of thanksgiving. I was wondering, is there anything in the, in the general instruction of the Roman Missal or any guidelines on that? Because there always just seems to be an une- uneasiness of people, whether they should be kneeling at all, whether they should wait until all the vessels have been purified. And just like a little guidance on that. Thanks, Father. Well, that's a really good question because it shows that Tom is aware that there are different practices at different places. Uh, and interestingly enough, the general instruction of the Roman Missal doesn't really specify what position the assembly is required to take after receiving Holy Communion, only that they return to their seats. In the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis, uh, the Archbishop has not determined a required position for all the assembly. So there is some freedom for individual parishes and even individual persons to do what he or she uh, would do, so long as it's not disruptive to the prayer of the rest of the assembly. Well, just following up on that, Father, um, but the Missal does have instruction about positions before receiving communion. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. So the norm for the dioceses of the United States is that persons receive standing. However, if a person chooses to kneel for receiving, that person may not be refused communion. And that a sign of reverence be made before receiving communion, which the United States bishops has said is a simple bow of the head. We also had a question uh, emailed into us from Anonymous, and this is what Anonymous says. I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and everybody seemed to hold hands during the Our Father. I've never been a fan of it, as I worry if I'm squeezing too tightly, my hands are clammy, etc. So I lose focus on our Lord's words. As a husband and father of four, I have never made my head my kids hold hands. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Is holding hands expressly allowed or prohibited? I've heard some say it's a sign of unity, while others have said it's a nod to our Protestant brothers and sisters. Thoughts, Father Tom? Um, I don't think it's so much entered into Roman Catholic practice because of Protestantism, so much so as because of like the charismatic renewal, uh, you know, which... uh, folk music and campfires and holding hands and prayer together in in these uh, prayer meetings became very popular in the 70s. Uh, and then some parishes just began to gradually adopt it in their individual parishes. Now, Rome certainly knows that in many places in the United States, this happens, and not only in the United States, but other places around the world. And they have decided to not decide just to sit back and see what happens. I will agree with the anonymous writer in saying this much. It's not called for in the book, and the book does say we should not add things to the liturgy that aren't there. 
but the church does allow for custom. And if it has emerged spontaneously out of the good faith of the people, and the bishop knowing it's there has not done anything to stop it, then it begins to take on more impact for the life of the community itself. Now, if this individual person finds that offensive or uh, just uncomfortable, and more and more people say, uh, especially post-COVID, we really shouldn't be doing this thing, and it gradually falls into disuse, then you could say, okay, that was something of a, a curious aberration that was popular for a couple decades, and then it kind of wore off. So uh, I think the bishops of the United States, as well as Rome, has decided to sit back and watch what's going to happen. They don't consider it divisive enough that they felt the need to squelch it, but neither did anyone say, yes, I want you all to do this, please do it. Uh, we're just going to watch and see what happens and see if it does. Now, if, if, an, if someone is at a parish where everyone expects you to hold hands and I find that problematic, how might I re, uh, re, you know, turn down, down the invitation to hold my neighbor's hands in such a way as I don't want to offend him or her or think that I'm doing it right and he's doing it wrong or I'm more health sa safety conscious than he is? Uh, uh, again, charity has to rule over all things. Okay. Uh, so how not to be divisive in my refusal to hold hands because I think I'm more uh, rubrical than thou, that kind of mentality is also um, divisive as well, you know. Okay. So, uh, again, yeah, I think the, the biggest thing is to work it out together in love rather than start waving documents in each other's faces. That sounds great. All right, Father. Well, let's move on from those questions to our topic for this month, which is the concluding rites. So, Father Tom, take it away. Yes, the concluding rites are very short, as you know. They, uh, although, uh, I'll, I'll get to that comment in just a moment. It pretty much includes, that begins after the prayer after communion. Once the prayer after communion is ended, there's just a very few uh, things that's going to happen next. Uh, it's a time for announcements. The general instruction does allow for announcements to be made. Ideally, they should be short and not disruptive of the flow of the liturgy. Uh, you don't have to repeat everything that's already in the bulletin. You can just say, take the bulletin home, you know, and you'll find more information. Um, at certain liturgies, such as, for example, funerals, uh, this is another uh, delicate question, the issue of eulogies. Mm. Um, what the general instruction for the rite of funeral says is you don't turn the homily into a eulogy. You're not allowed to have a eulogy in a Catholic funeral mass. But the general instruction does say a few words of remembrance in honor of the deceased may be given after the prayer, after communion. Well, how is that not a eulogy? And is this, you know, semantics? Or, uh, but that is a place where such comments can be inserted. Also, it may be a place where, all right, now let's sit down for three minutes and someone from the parish finance council will get up and give our annual financial report. You shouldn't do that during the homily. The homily is for about the word of God and the liturgy. But there is a place for doing it in, in within the concluding rites. So you can have a few of those sorts of things happening in the concluding rites. But otherwise, just pretty much there is a final greeting, the Lord be with you, and then a blessing. That blessing can include a solemn blessing, which is either a one-part prayer or even a three-part prayer 
that the individuals and uh, the community says amen to each of the parts, and then the priest or the bishop gives the final sign of the cross blessing. And then the dismissal. And by the way, um, in Latin, the words ite misa est, uh, which uh, it's a little hard to translate literally in Latin, go, it is the sending, mm. something like that. It is the dismissal. Mitere in Latin, the word to send, and you put it in a certain grammatical construction, gives us the word misa est. So it, the common name for what we're calling this series of uh, discussions, mass class, the name mass comes from that uh, Latin dismissal. Ite misa est. Go, it is the mass. It is the sending. So mass literally means uh, dismissal, ascending, a commissioning mm. comes from the same idea that you are all being sent. Now that you have been nourished with the body and blood of the Lord, go out there and bring that which you have learned here out into the world. Pope Benedict, while he was still in the Sea of Peter, he even added a couple of different dismissal endings. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Uh, Go in peace, the Mass is ended. Go. Uh, So these additional endings that Pope Benedict added as optionals uh, during the dismissal rite are intended precisely to clarify what the point of this is all about. It's more than just the convenient way to end. It is, uh, 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 we're given a job upon leaving. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life, so that our behavior outside of Mass will reflect what we have experienced within Mass. And then the peace, uh, the people's last words are, thanks be to God, which is a fascinating and very fitting ending. That thanks, as we have, so we talked about the word mass coming from the Latin misa est, that the, another name for this whole liturgy is Eucharist, which means thanksgiving. That the very last words the people say at the liturgy of thanksgiving is thanks be to God that we are giving thanks to God for the great gift of the Eucharist, which we have been fortunate to be able to participate in, and now we've got a job to do, take that out into the world. And just one last comment about the concluding rites. The rubrics say nothing about a closing song. Hmm. There is, it's not expected the way an entrance hymn is or entrance antiphon. Uh, so it's a little bit odd when the, the priest or the deacon says, all right, everybody, you can leave. But no, you can't. You got to stay and sit through seventeen verses of this long, pretty hymn. You know. Uh, now the choir, of course, works hard, and music often is used in the liturgy to cover the action, to cover the movement. How much time should you sing at the offertory? As long as it takes to receive the gifts, prepare the altar. How much time should you sing at communion? As long as the assembly are moving back and forth from their seats to and from the altar. Mm. How much should you sing at the end? Well, it might be useful to cover the action. How long will it take for the priest and other ministers to leave the sanctuary and exit? So music is fittingly used there, but it could even be instrumental or uh, it could be a choral piece or it doesn't have to happen. And especially at many parishes that have daily mass, they don't even have a song at all. Sometimes parishes do the St. Michael prayer, you know, at the end of mass, and that is permitted to. Uh, there's nothing in the rubrics for or against it. It's becoming a custom that's more common now. Uh, 
as it was maybe 100 years ago. But there's uh, the rubrics are silent on that one. Very good. Well, Father Tom, another great mass class from you. We have one more coming from you, and we'll look forward to that next month. But as for, as for, I think we need to leave it there for now. So if we could have your blessing, please. Sure. The Lord be with you. And with you. May the blessing of Almighty God come upon you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We'll be adding our series to the website. You can search Mass Class in the search bar at archspm.org. You can also find the full series on Spotify in a playlist called Practicing Catholic Show Mass Class. Father Tom, thank you for joining us this time. It's great to be with you. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah, blessings to you and all our listeners. And to listen to past Mass Classes, be sure to check out the full playlist on Spotify. The link to that playlist can be found at practicingcatholicshow.com. Well, coming up next on Practicing Catholic, we kick off National Vocations Awareness Week with two local women who are living out the consecrated life. Stick around. We'll be right back.